This episode of MHI Cast is brought to you by Loitza, the sensor people. Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Safety is key to keeping distribution and fulfillment centers up and running, especially now when there are so many automated solutions. And fortunately, it doesn't have to be a manual operation. Safety sensors can help keep employees, machines, and products safe throughout these facilities. And so in this episode, we have two experts from MHI member company Loitza talking about safety and the sensors in your distribution center. Hey, welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Can you please introduce yourselves uh, to our audience? Hey, welcome, everyone. My name is Kyle Little. I'm uh, the Intralogistics Key Account Manager here for Loitza uh, in the United States. I've been with the company for a little over two years here, um, focusing on intralogistics um, and distribution center, fulfillment center technology. Looking forward to the discussion today. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Rod Karch. I'm the uh, product specialist for our safety products at Loitza, and I'm happy to be here. I've been here for about four and a half years. I'm also a functional safety um, engineer, uh, TV certified, uh, which helps with safety, obviously. Um, and I'm really excited to be here today. Excellent. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you both for for joining us today. You know, we're focusing on supply chain sponsors specifically, and if they should be treated as a critical component of a distribution facility or simply tagged on as an afterthought. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. What kind of safety risks are there in, in DCs um, and, and how can they be reduced with sensors? Kyle, let's start with you first, please. You kind of have to look at it two ways. Is it more of a greenfield project where it's you know new construction or is it a brownfield project for um you know, you're upgrading a facility and, you know, you have a lot of older equipment in there, um, kind of mismatched stuff. I think there's risks on, on both sides of it. Um, you know, on a greenfield project, you're looking at stuff, you know, from the very beginning and you can account for, you know, kind of using the latest and greatest technology um, and adapting it to the safety centers and adapting to, um, you know, process and workflow. Um, whereas a brownfield project, you know, dealing with older equipment, uh, it may not have the uh, electrical circuits. It may not have the physical space um, where you would be able to include uh, certain types of safety sensors. Um, you know, it's like an area guarding application, looking at uh, different types of light curtains, different types of safety laser scanners even safety radars, kind of a new technology out there. Um, so we kind of plug it two different ways. And, you know, they both kind of have a commonality in that as well. Whereas, you know, the biggest area of, of risk um, and in a fulfillment or distribution center is looking at pinch points and crush points. Um, these facilities have typically uh, fast moving equipment as well as heavy fast moving equipment. Um, so there's a lot of different things to look at there. There's, you know, different types of uh, mobile robots like AGVs or 
um, AMRs that are navigating their way throughout a distribution center floor. Um, some are real small, you know, no bigger than, um, I don't know, maybe two feet wide or so, give or take. Um, certainly, a, you know, a couple hundred pounds at, at tops. Um, and then you've got uh, full-on pallet AGVs that are uh, like an automated forklift, you know, moving thousands of pounds at a time, um, not moving as fast, but certainly have a lot of momentum behind them that uh, it takes a little bit of time for them to stop. Um, so you have stuff like that. And then uh, looking at you know traditional equipment like uh, shrink wrappers um, for end-of-line pallet system, palletizing system. Um, multi-axis robots and um, other types of equipment that are, is moving consumer goods for the most part. Um, some automated uh, systems where else are using, uh, you know, their own inventory, like an automated uh, system for uh, automotive parts storage um, to build, you know, our cars these days. Um, those are typically stacker cranes or ASRS systems on a one-way track. So positioning is important in those types of applications. Rod, how about you? Anything to add? Well, some of the things obviously that you'd have to be concerned about in any kind of, uh, from a safety standpoint is um, any kind of a pinch point um, areas that you could have somebody potentially get injured uh, due to a, a, some type of a drive system or, or a um, hydraulic actuated type of system. Um, air or a pneumatic even so uh, a lot of the areas that you're talking about kyle um, with respect to um, collisions from a, a an automated uh, uh, cart or or vehicle that could collide with a pedestrian or employee um, there's other things that they have to be concerned about too though um, with respect to uh, boxes maybe up on a shelf that could potentially fall onto somebody uh, in, a, in a warehouse or or fall into a vehicle or, or just fall and in, in, in be broken. So there's areas such as that that you have to be concerned about uh, that aren't necessarily uh, jump out in your face automation. It's something uh, that would be a byproduct of, of having these uh, warehouses uh, with shelves stretching all the way up to to the ceiling, you know, if, if there are people in there. Uh, potentially, or and and you don't want uh, your your material to be damaged either. So, um, a lot of the products that we utilize are for personal safety, employee safety, but potentially could be used for um, um, saving uh, or or keeping the actual uh, automation uh, AGVs, cranes, all those the actual um, components of the automated system safe as well from damage um, or potentially material itself that we're transporting around these different warehouses and fulfillment centers, keeping that from being damaged. Uh, so you wanna separate both the employee, but you wanna separate the material as well as the machinery to keep everything safe and running. Um, and, and that's sort of a, a, a triple threat that we have to look for um, for these type of facilities. All excellent things to consider, especially when you think about, uh, you know, if the system being integrated is, is existing or brand new. Now, we've already alluded to this ever so slightly, but there are hazards in all distribution centers and around the automated equipment in them. So, Rod, what kind of sensors exist to help prevent these hazards and, if you like, 
you know, what are some examples uh, of, of how to apply them? We have to be concerned about uh, areas of entry, uh, any, anywhere that an employee or, or person could enter um, a potentially hazardous area. Um, a lot of times these facilities have hard guarding so people can't enter uh, uh, an area that they might have uh, a chance of getting injured. Um, so the hard guarding prevents people from going there, but you know, there's always got to be access doors and there's gates and things that you, you need to be able to get to different um, parts of automation, different parts of the warehouse for things such as maintenance and, and uh, um, just, you know, uh, daily uh, tasks for the most part. So uh, we have interlocking devices, interlocking devices uh, from Lloyd's are, are some of those products basically that would be put on a gate or an entryway uh, that would not allow somebody to access the area if there was a hazardous movement or motion um, going on. Uh, it, it, so ultimately, it's going to keep somebody protected, or if they open up a gate or a door, it would shut that hazardous motion down. So uh, we have a lot of different versions of interlocking um, devices to do this uh, at Loitza, but that would be an example of, of how hard guarding and you know, ultimately gating with locking or non-locking switches would um, allow access by either keeping you uh, away from the hazard or allowing, if you open uh, and gain access, it would shut that hazard down to keep people in, in machinery safe. So that would be an example. Light curtains are um, optical devices that create a, a protective area, a barrier that if somebody crosses that barrier or um, uh, interrupts that barrier, it's going to go ahead and shut down a process. Um, we use these a lot, especially at these type of uh, fulfillment centers. For material that's moving from place to place on conveyors, you may want the material to move uh, place to place, uh, but you don't necessarily want somebody to get up on the conveyor and, and walk place to place at these facilities. So light curtains are something that we would put, uh, we would allow the material to go through um, with a function called muting. Um, uh, but you would keep people out of that area. So it's, it's an invisible barrier, um, and uh, it, it would be like a, a two-dimensional plane that we could use either vertically or horizontally. Um, and, uh, you know, an example where we'd use something like that would be um, uh, for uh, pallet uh, conveyor transport, um, you know, any kind of uh, uh, palletizing or uh, shrink wrapping um, type of end of line activity as well. So uh, that would be an example for that. Uh, safety laser scanners, any kind of area that you want to keep somebody out of, um, you know, keep people safe. So uh, you're talking about um, AGVs, obviously, you can mount a safety scanner on an AGV or an AMR, and it will create a field that if it interrupts, somebody interrupts the field or there's an object in the field, whether it be a person or uh, potentially another AGV, some type of a static um, object such as a, a trash can, it'll either stop because there's something in its its field um, and it, it sees that blockage. Um, and, and we can do a couple different things with the safety laser scanner for AGVs. We can slow it down and then uh, uh, based on having one field that we designate in the software um, and we could have another area that uh, is designated in the software as a, as a, a stop or a shutdown type of uh, protective field. The nice thing about safety scanners, you can configure various fields inside of them um, and do something called a warning or 
you know, for instance, in this case, it would be a, a slowdown field and the, the other field would be the protective field or, or stop field. Um, so that's the benefit of safety laser scanners for AGVs. Um, we also use safety laser scanners around a lot of industrial robots, whether it be an articulating arm or uh, um, some type of a, a multi-access type of, of uh, robot. Um, we can use them on cranes, um, stacker cranes, for instance, to keep uh, the crane from collision protection. A lot of different areas that we could use uh, laser scanners uh, for. Safety radar, very much like the safety laser scanner. Um, in, instead of looking for a blockage, safety radar uh, utilizes motion detection. Um, so it's, it's really meant to be more of a, uh, an access guarding. Um, somebody enters an area uh, they aren't supposed to be in, we could shut down a process or uh, potentially we could not allow access to an area if, um, uh, if they're in that area if they're in there and some type of motion is happening so if you have like a gate for instance you could have a safety radar outside and and you see that somebody's outside and that there's motion going on inside the cell you could not allow a uh, um, uh, an interlock switch like we were talking about earlier which is now we're talking more of a system you could uh, uh, not allow access to to that area um, and we would see that motion. Nice thing about safety radar, it can pick up somebody breathing even. Um, so it's, it's down to these micro movements, which is great. Um, multi-beam safety devices, single and multi-beam. So the, a lot of people call them light grids. Um, they're used for access detection, sort of like I was talking about with the safety radar. Um, the, the nice thing is they're, they're, uh, they're not quite as many beams as something like a, a light curtain. This is more fence line or perimeter guard, um, uh, a perimeter guard uh, access device. So again, it's a two-dimensional area that we have a protective field. If somebody breaks the beams, we're shutting off um, uh, a hazard uh, for or, or a potential hazard, some kind of motion. Um, so that's another device that would work similar to the light curtain. And uh, Loitza has also uh, this year announced a. Um, a safe positioning sensor uh, system. It's called the FBPS. Kyle, I just saw you light up at the uh, mention of the FBPS. So why don't you tell us a bit more about that? A safe barco positioning system is uh, a technology that uses uh, a string of barcodes along a, a fixed surface, like think of a rail um, or a track of some degree that is is reading barcodes uh, in succession where um, <clears throat> a traditional barcode reader could do the same thing but in the, in the case of a safe positioning barcode reader system you're you're reading those codes in succession um, outputting uh, both uh, position location information and in order to be a safe rated system or safe rate device um, it has to have two independent uh, outputs on there, um, different technologies and stuff like that, different communication systems, um, you know, out there in the market. But uh, so the traditional way for something like this would have been two independent devices, um, whereas a safe barcode positioning system is able to take um, those two, essentially those two independent out output devices into a single device. Um, that allows to uh, simplify the, the total of the system. Um, an example of like a stacker crane or a monorail conveyor, 
this type of application was to be used. Um, and, you know, ultimately simplify system, have your safe positioning. Um, so you know where the, uh, the equipment is at all times and can be stopped and, uh, and notified where in the, the control system where that is um, with reliability. So how do you decide what type of sensor to use in an application? Looking at the different types of sensors and like what's used in the application, um, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, taking a step back and looking at it from a risk perspective. You know, what is the ultimate risk of that the hazard? Um, is, it, is it just a, a pinch point? Um, someone's finger may get trapped. Is it a risk that, you know, ultimately someone could get, get crushed um, and, you know, have permanent injury, lose a limb? You know, ultimately, and then worst case, you know, loss of loss of a life. Um, you know, nobody obviously wants that that to happen, uh, but there is certainly equipment in a distribution center that that can cause that to happen um, if if not properly safeguarded. So, looking at it from that perspective, um, and then okay, now we understand the risks, we understand the hazards. You know, what what mechanical space and limitations do we have within the design? Um, do we need to make modifications to be able to properly safeguard this equipment? Um, you know, in the case of a, a good example is like an industrial robot, you know, doing palletizing. Certainly the robot has a space that he needs to operate within to do his task, um, but it also needs to have a, a separation um, around it. You know, if it's going to be an open cell, that you need to bring equipment in and out, uh, maybe pallets or some other product or something in into the cell. Um, you know, there's there's a safety distance requirement. Um, and Rod, you can touch a little bit on that here in a second too. What that really means, um, a distance requirement to to you know activate a safety device in in a specific area. Um, you know, like looking at stop timings and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that also applies to I me mean, that the safe distance thing also applies to other other technology and distribution center, um, other equipment, you know, looking at AGVs, stacker cranes, all that stuff. There's all sorts of calculations based on you know, what the hazard is, how fast things are moving, um, and, and looking at it from, you know, an engineering perspective um, to mitigate the risk. One thing I was going to say from the functional safety side, um, the best, the, the safest machine is one that you've already designed all the safety into without having to go to these engineering controls like the light curtains and, and uh, safety scanners, safety radars, things like that. So a well-designed machine goes a long way for safety, um, unfortunately because a lot of machines come into, for instance, the US without safeties um, on them, um, a lot of times functional safety is an afterthought like we were talking about earlier. And then the only thing you have left are things like engineering controls, um, i.e. light curtain safety scanners, door interlocks, those type of things. Interesting, I never really thought about that before, but I, I suppose it makes sense since different countries have different safety standards. Um, where do you recommend customers start their research when they're looking into uh, safety sensor solutions? I think the best recommendation we can give to anyone that is uh, either in the greenfield stage or a brownfield stage um, 
is to look towards a partner that it comes from the industry, um, not only just you know, interlogistics or distribution center, fulfillment center technology, um, but one that has you know decades and decades of experience, um, not only developing safety sensors and technology, but uh, being ones that are they're innovative. Um, and creating new solutions that uh, help improve the the general marketplace, um, help improve the industry. But looking towards someone that understands the problem and has experience solving the challenge um, and dealing with many, many, many different factors that may come up, um, you know, depending on ultimately where is this system going uh what standards do we have to adhere to um or is it going in the u.s is it going to europe is it going to asia everyone has different standards so working with a partner that's you know global that also understands that as well and where these systems may either be coming from or going to is important Rod, if you want to add anything to that as well yeah i would so that's one thing about Loitza is is since we do have such a, a, a long time in this business, especially with respect to safety, our headquarters is in Germany. Uh, Germany is known to be one of the most stringent when it comes to safety standards, and and uh, um, they do a lot of additional, you know, for for instance, even to get a safety device, um, uh, uh, basically to meet the the standards of of what that safety device does, is they spend. Um, a, a whole lot of R&D time as well as years of getting them certified to to meet those standards. Um, we have a lot of resources being a global company. We have a, a, a great global presence, um, especially when it comes to safety. Uh, I myself, uh, along with um, some other uh, uh, individuals here at Lloyd's, we have a lot of uh, um, functional safety experts such as myself and in a couple of our other uh, employees. And uh, we go through this TUV training so that we do understand, um, you know, the safety side and from the side of, of machine safety and, and what's required to make a, a safe machine for the, the controls designed for the actual uh, process and application that it's going into. Uh, but on top of that, we have hundreds of people worldwide who are functional safety engineers that our group in the United States can call on in various subsidiaries and countries for Loitza, um, you know, to get their knowledge as well. So if it's something that we may ourselves may not know about, we have this this huge safety knowledge out there um, with colleagues uh, that we do build relationships with them as well. So so there's we have a whole lot of experience as well as um, a knowledge base that we can draw on um, for. That, that's sort of a benefit for the obviously the end customer um, because we can uh, uh, we have these resources at our at our uh, uh, beck and call. So after they've done their research, what's the next step to to knowing where to put the safety sensors? Well, if they haven't done a risk assessment yet, this is is a great place to start. I mean, obviously, we need to to go in. Uh, somebody the the customer needs to know. 
what's going to make my machine safe, at least mitigate the hazards on this machine to where it's acceptable um, per the standards. Um, that would be the minimum requirement that they would need to do. So, so that all starts with the risk assessment of the machine or machines. Um, uh, so what that entails is typically a third party if they're not using their own safety group or safety officer they can um, uh, potentially get a third party um, to to do these type of of risk assessments uh, loita for for an example we have tuv um, uh, certified uh, functional safety engineers we can do these type of services for a customer as well um, but you, you you ultimately get um, uh, have a risk assessment done and it's a hazard analysis risk assessment so you go through and you investigate the machine you identify all the points um, of of hazards could be a pinch point it could be something that's sharp it could be a motion it could be um, uh, you know potentially uh, a pneumatic uh, air type of of hazard or an electrical hazard you identify all the hazards of this machine and you rate them and there's a specific way to do the rating um, that's outlined in in the the safety standards so um, once you rate these you can look at each individual hazard and um, ultimately see if how we mitigate that hazard um, can we do it with um, some type of a hard guard can we use an engineering control such as an interlock or uh, a light curtain or some other type of engineering control um, can we look at uh, some type of signage or even a, a procedural way of mitigating this hazard uh, um, from the machine. So uh, those are basically uh, then um, given to the customer or the customer looks at these and decides what will work with their process um, and, and still be within the, uh, the safety requirements. So um, that would be the best starting point for any machine. Um, and it is a requirement, by the way, for all machines. Um, especially, you know, uh, robots, industrial robots, things like that. But you're supposed to have a risk assessment done and then follow it up really annually to, to ensure that you're still meeting those requirements, that somebody hasn't um, taken off a guard or, you know, uh, bypassed an interlock, something like that. So you are sp supposed to do a second risk assessment to make sure that you're still keeping up to those standards for that machine, that something wasn't added or, or some um, process bypassed. I also know that you're going to be at Modex, which is great. And uh, I imagine you'll be showing one of them off at the show. Did you want to give us a quick preview of that right now, Kyle? Yeah. So the the new technology um, on the market, uh, it's a voice of technology uh, for yes, first, first in the world type of system is our uh, FPPS or uh, safe park position system. Um, this technology, and we'll be showcasing it um, at the show at Modex Atlanta here at the end of March. So uh, please come see it for us. Um, but the technology is is basically a barcode position system, uh, reading barcodes in a, in a string um, where you uh, are getting information out of the system that is, is both position um, and location information of, say, a stacker crane monorail conveyor um even some sort of uh other maybe some other community a, a large bridge crane or something like that where you need to know 
um, the position of the equipment in a uh, safe output design. So the traditional way of doing this would be um, have two separate technologies, whether it be a, an encoder and a laser distance sensor um, or a traditional barcode position system and an encoder, um, you know, any, any two independent devices uh, outputting two pieces of information. Um, so that's typically the requirement of a, of a safety system is to have two independent outputs. Um, that way, if one fails, you still have a, a reliable information um, on the other one to know where the, the equipment is in the, in the structure of the system. Um, the safe park position system we've recently launched uh, takes that uh, into a single device um, outputting the uh, position information um, over two independent outputs. Um, there's not a system like this in the world um, right now that can do it for a safety rating um, up to a PLE uh, category E. Gentlemen, appreciate you so much. Thanks for sharing your insight. And thank you for listening to this episode of MHI Cast featuring Kyle Little and Rod Karch from Loitza. If you'd like to learn more about their solutions, no problem. Just visit loitza.com, L-E-U-Z-E.com. And hey, if you're looking for more information and, and looking to find your own sensor solution for your next project, you can find them at Modex. It happens in March in Atlanta. Visit modexshow.com to learn more. Here at MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to that next level of success. So thank you for making us a part of your professional development journey.